All right, so uh, I received two gifts uh, from our church staff last week that I'm pretty excited about. One, they got me new shoes, which is pretty cool, and a new preaching Bible. And I was excited about this. I haven't had a, like a Bible that I kind of preach out of uh, since I graduated high school. It was kind of the Bible I was using, so it was like 18, 19 years old, something like that. Um, so I was excited, and I'm also really humbled by these gifts that the staff got me because I, don't, I didn't really get them anything. So, um, <laughs> but, but I am excited, and what, what's nice about having a new Bible, and I'm a pastor, so I get excited about this kind of stuff. Um, my, my other Bible had, like, you know, underlines and highlights, and pages had been ripped and wrinkled, and I'd be, like, missing a page in Philippians, and... Um, <laughs> So it, it's nice to have like just a fresh Bible to open up and start reading in. And as this is uh, New Year's week, I've been thinking about just kind of like resolutions for next year, what I wanted to do. Um, one of the things that I, I've actually never done this, and I'm a pastor, I have never like read the Bible cover to cover. So I've read it chunks. I, I've, probably, I've read the whole Bible, like don't get me wrong. <laughs> Uh, just not like, not cover to cover. And so one of the things I was like, for 2019, what I want to do is read uh, the Bible cover to cover. And so I found, I went online, found this um, reading list, reading plan. Um, I'll post it next week too if anyone wants to join me. And uh, last week I, I started, I started to get ahead. So I was like, I'm going to start now so that by the time 2019's here, I'm like, look how far I've already made it. Uh, <laughs> And, and I came across this passage in Genesis that, I, that I've never really like, noticed this phrase before. And, and I wanted to share it today because we're kind of in between series. We just kind of finished Advent and Christmas. And uh, next week we're starting a series on Malachi. It's going to be like an eight-week series on Malachi I'm really excited about. But this week I was like, what, what do I have to talk about? And, and then as I was kind of like reading this new Bible plan, this phrase just caught my attention. And it leads to a phrase that I want to talk about that I hope is our phrase for 2019. Um, But if you could follow with me, um, Genesis chapter 2. Is that music playing? This is what happens when you open the Bible. It's like... (laughs) Okay. From the new Bible. Genesis 2, 7 and 8. This is in the creation story. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust. And it's still playing. Do you hear that? Oh, is it a phone? Oh, no. That's not awkward. Okay. All right. So let's start in a second. Whew. All right. Glad it's New Year's week. Second, Genesis 2, verse 7 and 8. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. For some reason, this little sentence hopped out at me that the Lord had planted a garden. He had planted a place, and he put the man there. A place prepared, planted. We're a church plant. I thought planted. It's fun to see that word. And here's something that God has done. He's planted a place. We know that he's created the universe, but there's something specific and intentional about this place that he establishes for Adam. He plants 
a place. This place becomes holy ground. It becomes this sacred place to inhabit. And I started thinking about this idea that God plants it and he prepares it. So I was looking at the word planted. A um, couple, you know, what is, what is really going on here? I saw this, this Hebrew word, natah. It, it, to plant, to fasten, to fix, or to establish. When God places humans on the earth, he fastens, he establishes, he fixes a place for them to live. He's created the whole universe, he's created the earth, but he fixes specifically something for Adam to live in. I started thinking about how God works and how he interacts with humans, and this idea of place is important to me. It's interesting to me, this idea of place. We live, we live in Phoenix. I love Phoenix. I, I am grown up here. I uh, spent most of my life here. I, I love the mountains. I love hiking. I love the proximity to the oceans that we can get there quickly. We don't have to deal with the traffic and the taxes, but we can get there quickly. I love the fact that we can get up to the snow in two hours and then leave the snow and come back down to the warm weather. I love the dry air here. I love, uh, I love that this is kind of a new city. It seems like it's still growing. The story's still being kind of, the story's unfolding of what it means uh, to be a Phoenician, to live in this place. I like it that we have four major sports teams. They might perpetually be rebuilding sports teams, but we have sports teams here. Um, I, I, I love this place. I love Phoenix. And I also know about the brokenness of this place. The, the summers are miserable, right? Uh, there's something we endure. Um, it's, it's an interesting uh, culture. We're like in a mega burb. It's just this mega suburb. And so uh, there aren't like real defined and distinct neighborhoods. A lot of people who are from here aren't are, who live here aren't from here. We've, we've moved from different places. Oftentimes we've left family, we've left rhythms of life and traditions that we find our identity in. A lot of people move here to start over. And, and what happens is that creates an interesting dynamic. If you're not from here, I've heard a lot of people who've moved here say it's hard to find community. The culture is fast paced. A lot of people live in, in houses or gated communities and drive SUVs and they don't interact with their neighbors. And uh, it, it's really hard to get in with people. It takes time. There's a culture here um, of, of it's, it's very image conscious. We're, it's a beautiful people. Beautiful people live in Phoenix. And, and it's very image, image driven. And, and sometimes you get caught up in that. And then you deal with these, these summers that seem to last the whole year. Um, it's about to start getting hot again, which is crazy. Um, and, and there's this phrase that people in Phoenix have that you've heard before, and you hear all the time. You probably don't realize how much that you hear people in Phoenix say this, but when we get through this terrible summer and the, the weather finally breaks, you hear people say, ah, this is why we live here. <laughs> you've heard that phrase before, this, this is why we live here. Christmas Eve at the park outside seeing the sunset. This is, oh, this is gorgeous. I mean, this is the cold, as cold as it gets was this morning, and you made it to church. <laughs> this is why we live here. Place is important. God has placed all of us in a place. And then you keep reading in, in Genesis, and you get to verse 15 in this creation story. It says, the Lord took the man, and he put him 
in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. thought about that being the phrase, work it, to work it. God places in this place that he has planted, in this place that he has established and he fixed and he fastened, he intentionally puts the human there to work it. There's a, a purpose that happens now. Place and purpose are planted by God in this story. Place and purpose are planted. They all start with P because I love Rick Warren. It says that it's easier to remember it that way. But place and purpose are planted by God in this creation story. I think there's something interesting and significant about how God puts humans into this world. He prepares a place. He plants them in that place, puts them in that place, and then they have a purpose to work it, to manage it, to do something about it. And as you read the creation story, we know in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent comes into the story. Adam and Eve get fooled by this fruit. There's this lie that they believe that if they could just have this fruit, then all of their dreams will come true, and then the fruit doesn't deliver and God comes, and they're hiding from God, and they're ashamed. We call this the breaking of mankind, the fall of mankind that happens in Genesis chapter 3. And there's ramifications of, of what happens with the fall of mankind. And one of the things that happens is it says that God curses the ground, the place that's been prepared. And the work becomes toil. But what's interesting is that the place is cursed, but the work is never cursed the place becomes broken, but the work, it becomes hard. But there's also something that's going to be redeeming about the work that takes place in the place. Place, purpose, planted by God. The place that we live is broken. And we feel that. We can feel the brokenness, especially around the holidays when we're reminded of relationships that have gone astray, relationships that have experienced tension, Things aren't always as they ought to be. Sometimes it's like right in our face around the holidays. We live in a broken place, but we've been given a purpose by God. We've been placed here. Each one of our lives has a purpose. Placed with a purpose. Now, I believe that all of these purposes that we have, uh, oftentimes they're, they're callings placed on our life. Sometimes they're seasonal. Sometimes they're long-term. Sometimes they're short seasons, sometimes they're long seasons. Um, but wh wherever we are, whatever season we're in, we're called to a purpose of doing the things that God desires in our life. I remember my wife and I, uh, a couple of years ago, moved uh, to a foreign country called Texas. We were there for a couple of years. Um, and it was hard to be there. It was hard to be away from family. And yet there were things that we were called to do there. There was a purpose that God had for us in that place. We learned that we're not Texans, that they speak English, but it's a different language. <laughs> Everyone there wanted to keep blessing my heart. I didn't know what they were saying, what that meant. Um, but no matter what place you're in, no matter for what season, you're called to a faithfulness to this purpose that God has placed you there. God has given you plans. God has given you uh, calling to join him in working it and managing it and creating, toiling in this broken place that we live in. And I started to think about the phrase, this is why we live here for Phoenix. 
What if that phrase wasn't just about the weather? But we started to understand that this phrase, this is why we are placed here, had something much, this is why we live here, had something much deeper. We don't just live here because of the weather. We live here because place and purpose are established by God. For 2019, when you hear this phrase, this is why we live here, we're reminded God has placed in all of us a purpose to do his work, to work, to create, to manage. This is why we live here. There's something interesting about plans, that we, we make plans, we have purposes. Oftentimes, God's timing is, is different than our timing. Um, but when we commit our timing to his, when we align our hearts to his purposes, uh, what we find is, is the life that we are called to live. We find true calling. I like what uh, Proverbs 16 says about this idea of plans and purpose. It says, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All of a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end. We read that last phrase again. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything in its proper time. Psalm 37, um, special verse uh, in my life, also kind of talks about this idea of plans and purposes. I'm having trouble finding it because it's a new Bible. It's in here somewhere. (laughs) But Psalm 34 says these words, starting in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the place and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness, your righteous reward, shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes and steal your A-frames. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him. and He'll make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. We live in a place that's planted by God. We've been put here with purpose. When we commit our ways to the Lord, our plans succeed. And I think that for a church like Desert City, this is important. For a church that that we've been placed in this community with a calling, we've been placed here with plans. We commit to the Lord, this is why we live here. And everything that we do, we're joining God in the work that he has called us to. What we do is meaningful. What we do is sacred. Andy Stanley tells this story about uh, back when one of the hurricanes was about to hit the Gulf. Uh, so people knew the levees were going to break in New Orleans, and, and the kind of whole community rallied to start building sandbags, trying to stop the flooding that was coming. And as they started building the sandbags, they spent hours just filling up bags with sand. Really monotonous work, boring work, hard work. All they were doing was moving sand 
from one place to another. But what they were doing had significant meaning because they knew that these sandbags could hold back a flood and they were desperately trying to stop flooding. The work of digging up the sand and filling these sandbags all of a sudden had great purpose. It had great meaning. The things that we do in life, when we do them for God, are loaded with significance. Even here establishing a church, been around for about four years, um, we do a lot of work like setting up and down pipe and drape and, and, ta- and tables and chairs, serving in our children's area. But all of this is done because there's a special purpose that we've been placed here for. Place, purpose, planted by God. This is why we live here. This is what we do. A couple things that I think is important for the church, for us, that this is why we live here. We've been called to a place, and we've been called to create a place for people to gather, worship, and encounter God. Part of what we're doing is just establishing an outpost for the kingdom of God in this community. And we've talked about how in the past, this community, a lot of other pastors I talk about is, boy, this is like a graveyard for church plants. That sounds exciting. Um, It's interesting because this is kind of a new part of town. We've talked about how there's been up to 14 plants that have tried to come in here and not be able to, to stick, not be able to make it. It's a hard place to plant a church. It's hard work, requires faithfulness, requires people who are willing to fill up the sandbags. But we're in this place with a purpose. We work it. We manage it. We're creating a place for people to gather, to worship, to encounter God. Second thing is that we want to create a place for those far from God to find God, to find relationship, and then to find authentic community. If Phoenix is a place uh, that's hard to find authentic community, if Phoenix is a place where it takes a long time to establish meaningful relationships, where so many things are shifting, we want to be a place of peace. We want to be a place that people can come and know that they are known and still loved. A place to be known, to know others. A place for people to know God. To encounter Jesus. That's why we use this language of we want you to encounter each other and to encounter God. That happens through Sunday morning. That's why we take a 10-minute break. We have coffee and donuts. We want to make sure that we're spending time connecting on Sunday. Why we worship, why we pray, why we take communion each week to commune with God. We want this to be a place where people find meaningful connections and relationships and authentic community with each other and with our creator. We want to keep things simple and say, let's, let's let this be about relationships. Let's let this be a relational church. That's hard to do because people are messy. And God can sometimes feel distant. It's something that we work at, that we manage, that we create. A place for people far from God to find relationship with him. And to find rela- authentic community with each other. We also want to create a place for people to embody the way of Jesus. To embody the way of Jesus. The the church has been called the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus. The church moves throughout a community connected by the Holy Spirit to do God's work here and now. 
We want to be a place that uh, one of the, the catchy phrases might be missional in our approach. We work towards uh, the kingdom in everything that we do as a church. That's through our relationships. That's through um, generosity. That's through serving. How are we the hands and feet of Jesus? We've been placed here to establish a place for people to worship God, to find relationship with God and each other, to embody the way of Jesus. I feel like we live in a culture here in Phoenix that we can get caught up in pretty quick. It's a culture of comparison. It's a culture of uh, the latest and greatest. Um, And I feel like what happens is, especially around maybe the holidays, in a new city with new things, we start to constantly believe these cultural narratives that we need certain things in our life to be happy. And what happens is, the more we believe the certain things that we need in our culture to be happy, the more kind of weary we grow when that lie disappoints us. I think we're haunted by uh, a, a culture that has lied to us about what we truly need and what it truly means to be human. And we want this church to be a place where we're not promising something else, but a place that says we authentically love each other, want to be in community, want to walk alongside each other, even though we're different, even though we could disagree on things. But there's life here because God is present. We don't want to overhype and underdeliver. We just want to offer our lives to each other and to this community. This is why we live here. Place, purpose, planted by God. 1 Corinthians 5 says this, and I'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, the Apostle Paul's words to the church in Corinth, says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This call for a church, in whatever place you find yourself, this purpose, there's a language of, you have a ministry of reconciliation. You are ambassadors for Christ to a place. Here at Desert City, we are co-founders of a local expression of an eternal kingdom. And this is why we live here. This drives our conversations our relationships, everything that we do. 
God has placed us here, and we're working it, and we're managing it. So for 2019, this is our phrase. This is why we live here. This is why we do what we do. We are Christ's ambassadors, reconciling, reconciled to God, reconciling other people, joining him in this great work. For us, we get to be a part of establishing something new, something that can outlast us, that can live longer than us, that can produce fruit beyond our own lives. There's a great purpose to that. I'm going to call the band back up, and we're going to close with a time of communion. Communion for us is this sacred act that we do. We believe that a follower of Jesus, we invite you to the table today. There's different traditions that call this act different things. Some call it the elements. Some call it the Eucharist. Some call it communion, the Lord's Supper. But it's an act that remembers and proclaims, that talks about us being reconciled and us having a ministry of reconciliation. We take a piece of bread, and the bread represents the body of Christ, Another phrase that we use for the church, but this is symbolic of God becoming man as we celebrate it in Christmas. And this body was broken open. And we take a cup of juice. The juice represents blood that was shed on the cross. The story that we're a part of, this gospel that we proclaim, is that God became man, came to the broken ground, and did work, broke himself open, poured himself out on the cross so that we could be reconciled. We're a part of this work and a part of this ministry, and there's a great purpose. So today we come to the table remembering, proclaiming, this is why we live here. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for 2018, a rough year, a good year, lots of new friendships in this community, Lord, lots of new relationships. You have grown us spiritually. You've been with us in the midst of challenges. We're grateful. You've provided this last year. Lord, as a church, it's been exciting to see this foundation that you have laid centered around Christ. You give our lives great purpose. We are just filling sandbags, Lord. We're doing something that brings about saving grace. Lord, 2019, as it approaches, we ask that you just infuse into us great purpose in our lives. That we'd be excited about the things that you've called us to in this place for this season that we'd be faithful. Lord, that you would use our lives to build something that's bigger than our own lives. That you'd empower your church. Lord, refresh us as we swing into the new year. Give us new strength and energy that comes from your Holy Spirit. Encourage us. Bless us that we may be a blessing. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.